The terrible irony of complex PTSD is that while one of the things that can help heal trauma wounds is a loving relationship, someone who gets you and loves you and who steadies your life and helps you feel loved, it can go a long way toward overcoming what happened to you when you were a kid. But loving relationships, even potentially good ones, can activate those very trauma wounds that show up as panic and desperation and clinginess and seemingly irrational behavior that can absolutely ruin a new relationship before it really gets started. So when that happens, what can you do? My letter today is from a woman I'll call Rachel, and she writes, Hi, Anna. So I have a challenge, and I've scoured YouTube trying to find someone who talks about this, but no one seems to have uh, put anything out, at least that I can find. Backstory. I met a guy through work. It was phone calls to start and 100% business. But then one day I realized, oh, whoa, <laughs> my heart kind of leapt out of my chest. Not the usual gut feeling I get with past connections that have not worked. I developed a crush based on our conversations that somehow moved from business to chatting personally. And one night we FaceTimed for two hours and the conversation continued to be easy. He works out of town. Got the fairy pencil. I'm going to circle things I want to come back to, but let's just do a first reading through Rachel's letter and see what's going on. He works out of town, but actually happens to live in the same city as me. Well, just on the outskirts. I had planned a getaway this past weekend, which was four hours from where he's currently working. And on his weekend off, he came to meet me in person for our first in-person meeting. It went amazing, better than I had hoped it would go. I felt at peace with him. It was easy. Even in the moments of silence, I didn't feel any awkward overwhelm or need to fill space. I felt so much peace and calm. We spent the whole evening chatting, building a campfire, playing Jenga, and enjoying some wine. No sex, because I'm adhering to my boundaries around that, but there was some fooling around. He stayed the night and left the next morning, and that is when the anxiety set in. I did some nice things for myself, tried breathing, took er an herbal remedy to help, but the anxiety would not quit. I was supposed to stay another night at the beautiful place, but I couldn't. I completely spiraled. It was the worst feeling. I felt a mood of doom and a sense of abandonment. And being in this beautiful but unfamiliar place became too unbearable. And then the thoughts came in. He's never going to want to be with you because you're too much. This reaction is too much. Imagine if he knew this, this was what happened over spending a little time together. I tried to remind myself I was in 2023 and not some past time. I tried to become aware of my surroundings, but it was all way too much. I decided to leave and come home early because I couldn't stop crying and I had a panic attack. I didn't think I could mentally or emotionally deal with trying to push past this feeling. On the way home, I felt frustrated because this is a common thing. I have some level of happiness and it's like a curse that just keeps it comes crashing down to destroy that happiness. I feel like I'm going to lose my job or I become so depressed. It honestly makes me wonder what the point is to living if I can't even experience true happiness. Not a thought I am going to act on, but that's how bad it gets and feels. I feel so unlovable and just think that even the energy of this will sabotage things. It makes me wonder, am I having this reaction because it is my intuition telling me this is not my person? Or is it old wounds and dysregulation? I will say that he does show some potential red flags of not being emotionally available as I want and need. 
For instance, he didn't follow through with, I will call you on X date, or send any kind of unprovoked message to check in or plan an actual date. Something that came up while we spent time together was, was that he thinks he needs four to five years of dating someone to know if it is marriage material. I'm trying to give some grace because I realize he's clearly been hurt and has some walls up to protect himself. And it is very new and early on in getting to know each other. I just don't know how to tell if that horrible feeling and meltdown I had, which has taken two whole days to work through, where I feel I can function, is my intuition or simply a side effect of CPTSD. How do you know? Is this common to go into a depression and panic when you feel happy? How do you get to a place where you accept good things and happiness? Is it even possible? Thank you. And it is signed from Rachel. Okay, Rachel. This does happen. So let's talk about what you what you said here. All right. So you met a guy at work and you talked and you got to know each other for reals and one night you FaceTime for two hours. All right, I, I started circling things here because there's a lot of stuff that's really normal for courtship with people. However, you have an attachment wound. You have a very difficult attachment wound that still has kind of like landmines in it and booby traps and sinkholes. And that's what you're dealing with. Something happened to you, you didn't go into it, but I can tell something happened to you and you've got, you've got some abandonment trauma going on here and you're losing your identity around it. The minute you think that somebody could leave you in a way that really matters to you, you're kind of losing yourself around it. And I do, I get letters like this not infrequently, and I know the feeling too, abandonment melange. That's what's happening. All right, and abandonment melange is um, Pete Walker, the, the, the therapist who wrote the book CPTSD from Surviving to Thriving, a very great book. He, he came up with this term for the intense phenomenon of somebody who has abandonment wounds. I do. And when I heard this word, I was just, I was like, that is the thing. And I always thought that I was crazy. I thought that I was in a category by myself of people who just react very strange to things. Since I read the book and I saw there was a name and that it's really normal for people who were traumatized as kids, it really took the pressure off. And when that feeling comes up, I, I can say to myself, and you can too, this is abandonment melange. You know, sometimes separations do this to me. I begin to plummet. And so what you'll see is some combination of complete fear, which you're talking about, like crazy level of anxiety, not crazy, but very intense level of anxiety, rage, like it's not fair, this shouldn't be going on, and grief, so sad. I'm never going to have what I want. What's the point? So I hear it all. I hear it in everything you're saying. But as you suspect, it's magnified. It's bigger than reality calls for. And while part of you knows that, you're like, is this real? Is this my intuition? And here's what I'm going to guess. You, it's too soon for you to have intuition about what this is. You don't know yet, especially because this abandonment melange has been getting in the way. And like so many of us with an abandonment wound, you have an attachment wound that makes you go really fast. To me, not to normal people without CPTSD, you know, they, they can just go hook up or whatever. But, but for people with abandonment wounds, having even a two-hour FaceTime is going to really activate a bunch of stuff around the abandonment wound. You can have a normal relationship, but you need some workarounds. You need to go very slowly so that you have time to keep adapting to the shifts and the changes and the pieces of information. And I'll tell you, it will not hurt a, re a relationship for you to be like a little bit like 
in your own space and not rushing in. It, it is something that somebody who's serious about you will respect and like about you, that you're, you know, a little bit slow to open your heart to somebody. That is sane. People who are traumatized and have abandonment wounds, sometimes it's just like, I like you, Wah, come on in, you know, let's get married. <laughs> I'm making fun of myself, you know. I'm not trying to make fun of you. Like what you're doing is totally normal by everybody else's standards, but I just know for traumatized people, this is going very fast. And so he works out of town and he, and, and so you plan to get away this past weekend. So here's the next thing I'm going to just kind of call your attention to you planned the getaway. So you have an attachment wound. You may have wanted to kind of move things along. You probably, you know, felt impatient to know like what's going on. Can this be a thing? And I totally understand that. But I think if for the person with an attachment wound, and often this is part of male female dynamics, it's better to wait, just sit on your hands. Don't try to make anything happen. Don't do invitations. It's not too late to save this situation. You know, by the time this video gets you, I don't know, maybe it is, but, but from what you, where you are right now, two days later, you, you're still okay. But so I'm going to talk you back to where you, where you can sort of pick up the thread again and keep going. So the attachment wound is pushing you forward. And so you're in there trying to initiate the thing. It is just better for a person with a grave wound like that to just see what other people do. Emotionally, you need to have some level of confidence that they're genuinely interested. It is logical if you kind of push something with somebody and even though, okay, you didn't go all the way, but you fooled around. I'm just telling you, that's going to be very activating for a guy, very activating. And you're not going to be able to read whether he's genuinely interested in you or just, you know, glad there's the, the hope of sex, right? You don't know yet. It's too soon. You're trying to get to know that. So, um, and this is, I, I just totally understand everything you did. But if you had it all to do over again, and you don't, but you have the future to do, I just would not do a sleep away as a first date with somebody. That's too much. It's going to, for, for your attachment wound, it's going to be, it's going to turn into this big all or nothing thing. It's going to be extremely emotional. It's, it's just like a tidal wave overtakes you of emotions and feelings and hopes and disappointments and all the old stuff that happened. It's better for us when we do a little at a time. So you get together in person and you have, you know, at the point where you guys had been talking so much lunch, not even dinner. I wouldn't go to, I wouldn't go to each other's homes. Not yet. It's way too soon for that. I wouldn't make out. It's too soon for that. Making out is a slippery slope. Making out is going to activate. If you have like old wounds around, um, you know, abandonment, sexual abuse, anything like that. Making out is going to start it right up again. And it's going to, it's like, it, it's a train that's very hard to stop. So if you really want to go slowly with somebody and you may not, but I'm just telling you what I think would really help with this, this phenomenon that happens in you of just absolutely panicking and going to a bad place to the point that you think you can't live just because something good happened. I don't think it's because something good happened. I think it's because old trauma is just like getting out of the bag. That's what happens. Sometimes we're able to compartmentalize these old wounds and, you know, we've got them more or less like in a little box and we know they're there, but we're carrying on. And then, you know, a relationship comes along or a disappointment comes along. Wow. It's out. You know, we're just like drowning in it. It can be quite severe. So we go slow. We go slow. A little, just a little bathtub of it, you know, just a little at a time, a cup, not a tsunami, not a tsunami. 
But there's something about CPTSD that loves tsunamis. Right? It's like anywhere but here, you know, carry me away. <laughs> but it doesn't, it doesn't end well like that. So we, I use the word titrate. Titrate means you, you take a little dose, you wait, you see how it goes, you're okay. Take another little dose, maybe slightly more. You go very slow and see how you do. And I've, again, I promise you, somebody who really likes you will love that you handle yourself with such self-respect. Rushing in is a bit of a red flag to a healthy person. If he's a healthy person, that rushing is signaling him consciously or unconsciously that something's not right here, that it's not actually safe. Because somebody who rushes in, they're not being real. You know, they're not being real. And healthy people want something real. Now, do we know he's healthy? No. It's too soon, but that's why we date slowly so that you can get to know somebody. A lot of times, you know, people with CPTSD start dating somebody and a little bit down the line, maybe a couple months in, well after sex has started, you know, you start going, oh my gosh, what have I done? This person is awful. This person is uh, potentially abusive. This person is embarrassing me. But then that attachment wound means you, you know, you're like locked in. It's as if you it's as if you can't leave. It feels like you can't leave. If you have abandonment melange, leaving is so triggering of this like terrible depression that you kind of, you know, whether you realize it or not, you'll, t you'll tolerate anything not to have to go through that again. You'll change yourself. You'll try to shut down whole parts of your being just to make it work with somebody who doesn't treat you right because leaving would set off the abandonment melange and it's too painful. So we don't want to set ourselves up for that phenomenon, okay? We, we have to have the self-discipline to go slowly. If you take my dating course, some people here, I have a dating course that talks exactly how to do this. This is a transformation I had to bring about in my life because I kept having the same terrible experience again and again. And I adopted, I got mentorship, and, and, and I really worked hard to change this at any cost. I did not want to keep having dramatic, sad relationships that left me high and dry and lonely. And, um, and worse, <laughs> very depressed. I wanted to have something new, and this was the foundation of what I had to change. I had to become emotionally available by slowing down, by not rushing in, by not hooking into a fantasy idea of what a relationship was or what somebody I was getting to know. You know, like we can really project on somebody we've just met. We can project a whole future with them, but that, you know, in a strictest sense, that's objectifying them. Um, what we really ought to be doing early in dating is just listening, just getting to know them getting to know them. So sometimes I talk to people about a throne. Imagine you have a throne, you sit on your throne, somebody would like to date you. You say, well, you may approach in your mind. You don't, you can't really treat people like this, but you let them come up and tell you what it is their intentions are. You let them show you how they feel and you sort of hang back and observe. Now that's not something a lot of people with attachment wounds do naturally, but you can teach yourself to do it. Observe, let information come to you. Let it come to you. Don't go out chasing it. Don't try to get answers. Let information come to you. And it will make you impatient. It will make you anxious. But that is a small price to pay to, to avoid the total you know, uh, destruction of a potentially good relationship or the loss of years of your life by getting stuck in a bad one. So you need to get to know him. We don't really know anything about him yet, right? We don't know about his intentions. The red flag where he didn't call you or, or tell you a date. Um, I don't know. What that tells me is he is taking it slow. 
and him getting invited to this, you know, sleepover. <sighs> yeah, I, I think what happens to people, not just men, but sometimes, you know, the excitement of getting together will sort of propel things kind of fast and then they need to go back into their kind of space a little bit and collect themselves. Like it's a lot. It's a lot. And so the best thing you can do when somebody is just trying to get some space is let them have it. If he never comes back, you have your answer. But just let him have that space. Let him call you when he's ready. Just let it go. Let him call you when it's ready. Now, meanwhile, you might be freaking out, having panic attacks, and that's okay. You have that with your friends. You have that with your therapist. You have it with the crappy childhood fairy community. Get into membership. Like, we can help you through this. We have got the courses. We got the tools. We got people. We got daily practice calls every day. So you can come in and be supported to learn to sit on your hands, to learn to deal with all the fear and resentment and old trauma that comes up when you can't band-aid it over with sex or rushing in or trying to make something happen or even getting your heart broken. Like sometimes it seems like we catapult ourselves into ruining everything just because we can't bear the uncertainty. So we, when you have good tools, when you have loving support from friends who are also walking the path of healing, you can bear the uncertainty and you can learn a lot. There's so much information there about who you are and what you need that has probably been pushed down again and again by, by the rushing, by the drama, by the, you know, abandonment. So calming down the whole process, like keeping it going slower is how you make a space for the truth to come in. The truth of the relationship, the truth of your feelings, the truth of your sadness. If you do really like him and it doesn't come along, it's sad. But you've done such a good job of not going all the way in. You know, you're not all hooked in and you can let the sadness kind of go past you because there, there is goodness out there for you. There is goodness for you. And the more you practice and the more you step away from something where it's getting, you know, like discordant. I always think of like a cat, like walking across the piano keys. <laughs> That's what it feels like when you push something. So you can just sort of wait and you can wait till the music arises out of the piano, something harmonious, something that feels good, something positive, something that carries your life forward in a good way. And that is going to require, require that you let, let some things happen. Okay. So for people watching this, if you want to get a vision of what would be a good partner out there so that before you get tr start trying again to date or getting together with somebody, you can kind of set your ideal. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.